in the book of Ephesians, there are seven pictures of the church, at least seven. The first one is that the church is the body of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 23, the church which is his body. What does that tell us? We are all connected to the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ. We are all dependent on the supply of blood and oxygen that comes uh, through that body. And we are all partakers together. So the same Jesus Christ who supplies your needs and gives you life, give lives to me also. And then it says in chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's workmanship. Exactly, we are his workmanship. That's another picture of the believers. We are God's masterpiece. There is artistry, there is uh, design, there is purpose. The steps, your steps, are ordered of God. God is working in you. What does that picture tell us? It makes us say, oh, thank you, God, that you haven't given up on me. You are working your purpose in me. But hey, I remember if you're working your purpose in me and you're patient with me, I'm going to be patient with my fellow believers because you are also working in them. Well, if you're going to clap, do a good job. Otherwise, forget about it. Then... In same chapter, verse 19, he says, we are God's saints and citizens. We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Uh, you belong. You know, if, you, if you're from a certain country, whatever country you're watching, you maybe have a passport. And that passport gains you entry. If you've been outside the country, you can get into the country again. It gives you certain citizenship rights. We have certain rights in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We have the right of his name. His name has been given to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have access to the entire warehouse of resources and supplies available for our every need in God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Then it says in the same verse, goes on to say, we are members of the household of God. Picture God's household, God's family. We, we belong. You know, family is a place of acceptance, protection, forgiveness. It's a commitment. You may be committed to certain meal times, to certain times together. You know, in a family, you don't choose the other family members. Have you noticed that? Some families have what we call a crazy uncle. We never say a crazy aunt, but there could be one as well. But we say the crazy uncle. And so, you know, let me tell you something about God's family. There may be somebody that you rub elbows with in God's family that you find a bit strange. But take courage, because that person may find you strange. <laughs> and so we still accept one another. We are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. That's not a corny expression. That is a reality. You regardless of what race or ethnicity you have, and this ought to cure racism if you think about it, you are my brother, you are my sister in the family of God. Then a little couple of verses later, we are God's temple, God's building. The whole building grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You also 
being built up together for a building in the Spirit. There's a building in the Spirit. This is shocking. You know, when Stephen, just moments before his death, said to the people that God doesn't live in a building made with human hands, they were outraged. Simon Peter says, God is building a building of living stones. Paul said to the Athenians, God doesn't live in a, in a temple or a building made with hands. And I want you to know that the church, that we the believers, we are a spiritual building. And God's working to build you and to build me and we fit together. Then, then another picture is we are God's bride. Ephesians 5.25, often quoted at weddings, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. This picture gives us a, uh, the idea of, of the love relationship. You have a love relationship with God. You are beloved of God. And you respond in love back to God. You don't have to. He still loves you, but you have the option. So it's a picture of the bride and groom. And each of these pictures speak to us. I've given you six so far, but there's a seventh picture, which is the word church itself, which is the Greek word ekklesia, which means assembly. Sometimes we use church as the overarching word that all these are pictures of the church, and I understand what we are saying, but actually church itself is the Greek word, the called out ones, the ecclesia, the gathering. It is the word used about a legislator. It could be as a council, as in the city council, or it could be as in a parliament, as a national parliament. That is a picture. The church is like a spiritual ecclesia, parliament where decisions are made where we get together and I'm going to show you in a moment who we get together with of course ourselves among ourselves but there's more much more than you think and this word ecclesia that we translate church it's used in other contexts in the Bible I give you one is in reference to the city council of Ephesus it was called the ecclesia it was same word as church. And it says there tellingly in Acts 19.32, the assembly, the ecclesia, the church, city council of Ephesus, was confused. And most of them didn't know why they came together. <laughs> I think that could be said of some modern day church. <laughs> they were confused. They didn't know why they came together on Sunday morning. What are we doing here? <laughs> so, so it could apply there. Then it says later in that passage, if you have any other inquiry, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. In other words, so ecclesia, church, means something lawful. It means a group of people coming together to determine something in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I, 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 I don't know if you see, this is powerful. We, we come together for a purpose, and we'll look at this very deeply today. Then it says later on in that same passage, that he, the chairman, if you wish, uh, his name is given there in Acts, in Acts chapter 19, he dismissed the assembly. He dismissed the ecclesia. He dismissed the church. You can't do that with the body of Christ. You can't dismiss the body of Christ. 
You know, another picture, you're, you're the branches grafted into the vine, which is Jesus. You can't, you can't dismiss the, the branches and the vine. No. But you can dismiss the assembly. You see, so there is a difference here. Whether you come to church or not on a Sunday, when we gather in the assembly and the ecclesia, you're the body of Christ. And we, you don't get dismissed when we say at the end of our Sunday service, now we're going to give a benediction. We say the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit is with you, and then you head for the doors. We're not dismissing the body of Christ. You're still the body of Christ, going home, sleeping tonight and the night. You're a member. But, but the assembly, the ecclesia is dismissed until the next time we meet. And, and, and so sometimes I think People don't know the significance of what we do on Sundays. Some people say, well, you know, I can just worship God at home. Of course you can. I would certainly hope that you do worship God at home. But when somebody says that, it presupposes that you think that Sunday assembly is for a primary purpose of worshiping God. Now, worshiping God is very important, but I would say it's not the primary purpose because you can worship God anytime. Some people say, well, you know, I feel God going out in the great cathedral of nature. I certainly hope so. When I'm looking at the squirrels and the chipmunks, I can see how they are upheld by Christ. I can feel the anointing. So I wouldn't need to come to a, a gathering place to feel that. But that statement presupposes that somebody thinks that the purpose of church is to get a feeling. You know, it's, it's, it's up to the worship leader to get me into the feeling. And I would say you're vastly underappreciating what the word assembly is all about. Some might say, well, I don't need the church to believe in God. Well, I hope so. Hope you can read the Bible yourself. But again, that presupposes that as much as we preach that we are here try, some, somehow trying to wash your brain with thoughts and sermons and ideas, and that certainly we, we, we do believe in preaching. We believe in feeling God's presence. We believe in worship. But I would suggest there's something much more powerful that many, many frankly don't have a clue of why church is so important. Now I must bring this up. And some people say of this, well, there's just so many hypocrites in church. I always feel like when people say that, I feel like saying, well, praise the Lord, you won't be the only one then. But, but I, I usually restrain myself, you know. <laughs> you know, you know I, I'm, I'm such a nice, how many know I'm a nice person? Come on, give me a little hand for that. I don't, but I might think that because the word hypocrite means pretender. Yeah. All right. Thank God we have hypocrites who attend our Sunday assemblies because we never pretended to be a group of perfect people that you had to show your non-hypocrisy card signed by all your neighbors and friends to enter the doors. Thank God that we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus and he is at work with us. But now, 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 hold on your applause. Okay, if you want to applaud, clap because I want to say something here now. Then... And I must say, this is part of the reason why I'm preaching this today. We have had a so-called pandemic and a lockdown. And we have social distancing. In fact, I just want you to know 
that I have my mask ready for next Sunday. I have it here ready. You know, they brought me a mask that was kind of a unisex, one fits all. Maria brought it to me here five minutes before the service. She said, wear this one. I said, what do I do with this? She said, just put it on. And it only reached to my earlobes. I said, I have a big head, uh, Maria. So she had to go back and find. Tyna was laughing for 10 minutes afterwards. We couldn't get into the service. Uh, so anyhow, uh, I'm glad they found one that I could loop around my big ears. You know, you have to. So I'm ready for that. And, I, and, and I'm all for social distance, not social, physical distancing. In fact, you know, uh, there have been many plagues through history. And I, I, I don't want to compare this pandemic, which is rather small in comparison with, say, the bubonic plague or even the uh, Spanish plague or the 1980-18 pandemic. Uh, you know, they estimate that the bubonic plague may have killed a quarter of Europe's population. Even the uh, great influenza of the 19, 1918 uh, estimatedly killed 1% of the world's population. So this was something way beyond anything we have seen. I suppose we, 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 we're not close to one-tenth of one percent. We are like maybe one in 4,000 or something like that. Uh, uh, but, but still, nevertheless, every life is very precious. But I'm very interested when uh, this a form of this bubonic plague came to Germany in the 16th century. And Martin Luther, who, you know, we, we like a lot of things about him, not everything, but... I don't like everything about myself, so don't be too hard on people in history. He, he said this, they asked him, what do you think of the plague? And he said like this, and I quote, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their deaths as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he'll surely find me. Yeah, he surely will. And I have done what he has expected of me, he says. I'm not responsible either for my own death or the death of others. And if my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place a person but go freely as stated above. Uh, that's pretty good. He's, he's not being arrogant about it. He's saying, yeah, I'm going to fumigate. I'm not going to go unnecessarily run and sneeze in people's faces. That's just my paraphrase. But I shall trust God. I will not surrender. I will trust the Lord. And I will be helpful. And I will reach out to others. Pretty good advice from 500 plus years ago. Amen. And so I, I just want you to see that, uh, you know, whatever makes people happy. Whatever makes people happy. I noticed our, our offering people, they even have this big, uh, look like they look like a, one of the crusader knights from the 1300s there with this great uh, um, thing, whatever it's called, uh, on them. I, I need to learn the new words. However, in this, the thought was then introduced four months ago by media and by politicians of all different parties, that church assembly, what I'm preaching about, Ecclesia, is a non-essential service. Now, when I first heard of that, I was a little carnal, and I felt like, and I said to the TV, who do you think you are, you little? So, well, why didn't you tell us four months ago? Because most of you couldn't handle it then. So I've been waiting. 
any thought that is contrary to the knowledge of Christ, we tear it down. We do that with all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of thoughts. If, if somebody said God cannot heal anymore, that's a contrary thought. And so I want to just submit to you, think what you wish, that I believe on the basis of Scripture that church and the gathering together the way we do it, it's not a mere social club. If it's a mere social club, then it's non-essential. If we're just like the uh, Curlers Associate Federation, if we are the Golfing Federation, if we are the social club of whatever ethnicity, then yes, I would agree that would be non-essential, but this is not what we're talking about. We are talking about what Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, and we say it's not non-essential. But we went along with it because there's a lot of things that we are told that we go along with. We live in a democracy, and as terrible as it is, it's the best system around, <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of things. I pay my taxes. I hope you pay yours, even though many of the taxes are used for good things, but some of them are used for things that I consider right out ungodly. But we go along. We, are, we understand we are a part of a society. But that doesn't mean we can't preach about it. That doesn't mean we can't teach and say what the Scriptures say. And the fact is this. Kentucky bourbon, cannabis, Jack Daniels whiskey, abortion clinics, convenience store, Walmart selling Levi's were all essential businesses. You may not like me putting it that bluntly. That's just a fact. And so I want to just say to you, no, just because we didn't say anything, we understand people have enough to think about. We are totally in favor of making all the precautions. I have my mask ready for next Sunday, as I showed you. We believe, like Martin Luther in his day, he fumigated. I guess we, we do other things. But for a moment, I want to tell you, based on Scripture, the church of Jesus Christ and its gathering together. Because somebody says, well, you know, we can still be the body of Christ. We can still be the body of Christ. We can, yes, we are the body of Christ. You, you, we are the family of God. Just because you never meet your uncle doesn't mean he's not part of your family. But I'm saying the church gathering together is essential. Let me say this. I won't alert anybody who hears this. I'm telling you, we're just as good at it as Walmart. We're just as good at it as Giant Tiger and, and, and Target and, and your local 7-Eleven. Look at us here. We have communion cups that are sanitized beyond sanitization. We are sitting in every second row. There are chairs between us. Aren't we obedient little citizens? Look at your neighbor and wink at them and say, aren't we obedient? And I want to say, we're just as good at it. In fact, I've, I've had people come closer to me at Walmart than they do here. Give, your, give the ushers a hand. Come on, give, give the ushers a hand. And so, but I do, because now I have to deal with this. Because now this thought, see, thoughts come. This thought has come into the minds of believers. You maybe discarded it, but it came in that church assembly is non-essential. 
you have met this thought now. Maybe before you say, oh, I was raised to go to church. I go to church every Sunday. Oh, it's as sure as the sunrise, I'll be there. But now the thought has been introduced. And, and maybe you say, no, I cast it down. Or maybe you kept it in there for a little while. But now I'm, I'm a prophet of the Lord. I'm here talking to you. And, and, and I'm talking to you at home. And I'm saying, we, we got to deal with that. That's a thought that has arisen contrary to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm about to tell you that your prophetic place, I don't mean the place where you hear prophetic words, even though that is true, or the place where you give a prophetic word, even though that can happen. I'm talking your prophetic place, the place where the prophetic word and destiny for your life can be fulfilled. That prophetic place is the church, and in particular, and very often, it is in the assembly of the church. Think about it. Well, you can give a clap if you want to. You look a little bit, you know, th think about it. I, I, let, 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 me, let me just break it down to you here, point. Are you with me so far? So the assembly is made up of the willing. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as in the manner of some. And so it, it's a choice. Some, some decided to forsake it. Now, you don't, you can't, we can't say not forsaking being the body of Christ. No, you know, then you're no longer a believer. But we can forsake it. Here's a choice. We can forsake the assembling, the coming together, being this spiritual parliament that shows up at a special place and a special time. And so I want to say to my friends in the greater Toronto area, do everything you can to take your place in the legislature, to be here and add your agreement, to come together and say, I join my faith to this. And I want to say to our worldwide audience, because thank God we have online service, maybe you don't have a church like this one where you are, or maybe for some other reason you're not able to get out of the house where you are, then we have started something called the World Impact Celebration Church. It's not just a streaming service. People say, can you stream? Of course we can stream. It's easy to stream your service. But we have a special pastor. We are connecting with you. We want to know those who labor among us. And we welcome you to take your seat and to be there. And, and, and because it's so easy to say, oh, I, I decided to sleep in. You said, well, you never slept in for the last 20 years. Yeah, but now everything has changed. I, I kind of, you know, I, I didn't shower. People just kind of, it kind of slowly disintegrates. We could say, well, were you showering before? But no, no, don't say that. No, don't say that. Uh, be, be nice. I, I'm saying set the time. And for the few weeks, whatever, 13 weeks that we had to be doing this, Tyne and I, we were there at 10.25. It was rolling, and I was listening to horrible music that they had recorded in advance, but I, I put up with it. Screechy noise was coming through the PeterYoungren.org Facebook. I put up with it till we hit 10.30 because I was going to be in place for the spiritual assembly, the spiritual legislature was in place, and we were going to come into agreement in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Well, and then I told them to change their music in advance. Anyhow, the assembly, the assembly has awesome power. It is the place where God, together with us, 
exercises authority. Jesus just mentioned the word ecclesia, assembly, church, only twice. He talked about many other pictures of the believers, but ecclesia only twice. And one of them, Matthew 16, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you, of course, you can go out in the woods by yourself and you can be a binding and a losing in the woods and binding the squirrels and the trees and do whatever you want and bind and command. Well, you know, of course, you have Jesus in you. But the promise of whatever you bind and lose, it was given in the context, I will build my assembly. I will build my spiritual parliament. And there's a tremendous power when we come together here and we unite, whether it's for a vision, a project, or to believe God to heal somebody, or to believe God to provide for someone. There is tremendous power in the assembly. Oh, come on, give the Lord Jesus praise. You know, have you ever thought of even people's individual experiences often happen in the corporate setting? Like, for example, when Paul had his big breakthrough and he was stepped out into missionary service, it wasn't a private thing. It wasn't Paul at home looking heavenward. Oh, Lord, no. It was in the context of the whole church praying. I found that in our Bible schools that the things that change people's lives most often, of course it can happen anywhere, was in a corporate setting where all the students were praying and suddenly God spoke to one of them and he says, that morning, that prayer time changed my life. That's the most common thing. I mean, even when Saint Simon Peter came out of jail, you know, the angel came there and his chains were loosed and all that. But it wasn't like a solitary thing that he just told everybody about and they had no clue. He did tell them, but the whole church was involved. It was the whole assembly had gathered together and to far into the night they were praying and they were believing God and God gave them such an astounding answer to prayer that when God answered their prayer, they could hardly believe it had happened. Come on now. And, and, and so think about that. Then the assembly, here comes something. I, I hope I can preach this. How many are going to help me preach this? Because it's so, it's so majestic. It is so poetic. I don't know how to get it all out, but will you help me here? The, the assembly involves Christ, heaven, earth, saints, present, and past. I mean, in Hebrews chapter 12, we have such an awesome description of the assembly, of the people coming together. And I just got to read a little bit, kind of sentence by sentence, and then comment on it, and I hope I can do this justice. Hebrews 12, 22. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. I mean, what, what is this talking about? You've come to Mount Zion? Well, you got to get a little bit into the poetic flow. What happened on Mount Zion? That's where the upper room that's where the Holy Spirit comes. So we are here, and it's as fresh now as on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is here. It's the city of the living God. A city in the Bible always speaks of order. You know, you have streets and order, and you have a, there's a certain protocol in the city you don't have in the country. We, we have come to the, we, to the heavenly Jerusalem. We are citizenship. Yes, we are citizens of whatever country we are from, but my citizenship is above, and there are angels present. That's why we're saying we're standing on holy ground. And there are angels all around. Then the next verse says, to the general assembly 
or company, and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Leave the verse up there for a moment because it would seem here, it says to the general assembly. Well, that should be the word ecclesia because ecclesia means assembly. But they translated it differently because then it says and church. And there you have the word ecclesia. So we have come to the general assembly. I call it the general company. Actually, the Greek word is panagoras. Everybody say Panagoras. I'm even teaching you a little bit of Greek words here. I mean, Panagoras is like, it's much more than an assembly or a gathering. It's like the opening of the Olympics. It's it's July 1st fireworks in Canada and July 4th fireworks in the United States. It's like like the opening of Parliament. It's like I can't wait to get the best seat in the House. I, I can't, it's a resplendent, awesome gathering. That's how they describe it. And it says there, and the church of the firstborn. The firstborn is Jesus. He's the first one, rose from the death and conquered death. And we conquer with him. He's the firstborn. And all those who are registered in heaven to God, who is the loving judge of all. And then it says, spirits of just men. It means with every one of us are made just, are made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, but we're also being made perfect. Notice how it said that. People made righteous by faith, also being made perfect. That's such a beautiful picture. Here we are, every one of you. You may have your warts and flaws, and I don't know what you all have, but I'll tell you this, you are made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. And wherever where there's a wart or a wrinkle or whatever there is, God is at work with you to perfect you by his love and by his power. Oh, come on, praise God. This is what the church is all about. And let me read some more. It says here, the next verse, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks of better things than of Abel. How do you you talk about this? We come together in assembly. It's not just, what do you think, Bertha? Shouldn't we go to church? I've been wanting to attend for a while, Bertha. What do you think? Well, I didn't sleep so good last night. I think I just... uh, Come on, if you live in the greater Toronto area, get out of your pajamas, at least brush your teeth. Well, it doesn't even matter, we can't even feel your bad breath there because we're sitting so, so distant from one another, but just get out there and say, I'm going into the assembly, I'm going to Mount Zion where the Holy Spirit is, the angels of God are present, saints past and present, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and God the loving judge is there, and whatever I heard preach is going to help me, who already I'm already righteous by faith but it's going to make me more perfect and then Jesus Christ himself is there with the blood that speaks of better things my God Ah, people people don't know what church is all about now if you just come here thinking look oh is he going to be finished soon well you know people hanging on you in the worship Chewing gum, bubble gum. Of course, then, then, then I understand. You may as well, I don't know what to do. Count the squirrels. But if you say, I'm a, I'm a part of the body of Christ, and 
Once or twice a week, the body gathers. We assemble ourselves. We are the body of Christ all the time, nonstop. But we get into assembly and something powerful happens. We get into the assembly. And we can expect, and the book of Revelation says this, that, that, that there was somebody walking among the candlesticks. And it says, the candlestick was the local churches. And there was Jesus himself. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here, or my voice, right now to meet all of your need. The captives he sets free. Oh, it's bad. Oh, Jesus is here right now. Anybody know that song? If you're sitting at home, wherever you're in the world, you can sing. Nobody can hear it. I'm making a fool out of myself here, making a joyful noise so you can do it at home. Jesus is here right now. Jesus, it's like hip-hop. They don't sing and they don't talk. It's like something, uh, is here right now to meet all of your need. The captives he sets free. Oh, Jesus, oh, is here right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We've come together here in this resplendent way. We are here. I feel sorry for those who are not here, but thank God for you who are with us online. That's the best right now. Then tap in. Jesus is here right now. Anybody has pain in your body, stand up here in the auditorium right now. Stand up right now. You've got pain in your body. You're hurting. You have a sickness in your body. Just stand up. Don't worry. I'm not going to come and sneeze on you. I'm just going to speak the name of, they're here, here, they're standing up. If you are in pain at home, stand up in front of your laptop, in front of your telephone. Stand up in front of your television screen. Jesus is here right now. I see you back over here, back over here. I'm looking everywhere. All right. Everybody lift your hand. We, the assembly, we are coming into agreement. Are you in agreement? Do you agree that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. Now, in the name of this Jesus Christ, I speak to sickness and pain. I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Now, oh, give Jesus praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's faith. There is a collective faith of the assembly. How many believe Jesus healed you right now? Just wave at me. You, yes, I see you. I see you everywhere. Even more than stood up are getting healed. That's pretty good, isn't it? Give the Lord a big praise right now. We made so little of church. Made so little of it. What does it matter? We're still saved. Yeah, of course you are. You're saved by God's grace. But you are called out to be in the spiritual parliament. And whether it's publicly known what you believe, you can at least turn to your neighbor and say, under this atmosphere of faith and, and expectancy, let's, that, that's, Tyna and I have done this. We, we pray at home. We can stop our car in the middle of a conversation. We're going to stop and pray right now. But I tell you, a lot of times when we have prayed, we prayed right here in the assembly. I just said to her, I'm praying for this. She said, yeah, well, let's agree. We prayed here in the assembly because there's a faith here. Oh, I'm getting, I got one more point. Are you with me here? Okay, uh, the assembly, well, the assembly is where we rule with Christ. Psalm 110, verses 1 to 2. Do you know you can check this out? 
This is the most quoted scripture from the Old Testament in the New Testament. So this, pay attention. This is from Psalm 110. It's the most quoted Old Testament scripture by the New Testament writers. It said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength. I submit to you, and I think most Bible scholars would agree, the rod of the Lord's strength is the ecclesia. It is the church. It is the assembly that came out of Zion where the upper room was. That's the birth date of the church. And yes, we become the body of Christ and all those, but I'm speaking today of that one overarching picture of the assembly, those who willingly gather ourselves. And here it says that this rod of the strength out of Zion rule in the midst of your enemies. How many know we live in a world where there's some darkness? How many know that there's some enemies of the gospel? There's some evil going on. How many know that? And how does the Lord deal with that? Well, he says, I'm going to deal with it with the rod of the Lord's strength coming forth from the upper room on Mount Zion. So God is dealing with the world through us, the church. And I am presupposing here because it's all in me. I'm not talking about a church like, you know, I don't know, should we go to church? I'm talking about a church that was raised up by God because as true as anything, the Toronto Celebration Church and now the World Impact Celebration Church was raised up by a prophetic word from God. We're not here to Mickey Mouse around and just give you nice coffee afterwards and smile, even though we do a lot of that. We are here to be the arm, the rod of the Lord. And don't you say it's not thing. You remember in the Old Testament when God spoke to Moses? He says, what do you have? Oh, I just have a rod. I have a rod. It's not much. God says, you have a rod? Take that rod. And that's going to part the waters of the Red Sea. That's how some people feel. Well, you know, church isn't that important to me. I don't know. I just have my own faith. Well, you may feel, feel like that. You don't know what you have. You don't know what you're missing. There is a rod of the Lord's strength. It is the church of Jesus Christ. And, and back to the thought I had before about hypocrites. People say, well, I don't know because, you know, there's some real carnal people in the church. What else is new? Have you ever read the Bible? Even right after the day of Pentecost, the widows were complaining. We haven't seen anything like it here, Pastor Nathan. I'm telling you, our widows are good. We got wid good widows here. They volunteer. They go and help a man to hear once a month and volunteer. We got good widows around here, one in the front row here. But in the book of Acts, it was so bad, the widows were at each other's throats. They had to appoint deacons to handle the widows. But you say, well, well I thought back then everything was perfect. No, no, no. Have you read the, the book of Corinthians? I'm not even going to talk about it. But Paul never put his nose in the air. I'm such a high and mighty apostle. I've been to the third heaven. I can't fellowship in Corinth. There's some whoremongers there. That wasn't Paul. He said, that's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the church of living stones that God has built. That's the temple of God. Even you who maybe have failed a thousand times, you are being built up to a holy temple of building in the Lord. God is doing something. 
Oh, come on now. Okay. Member number one in the ecclesia is Jesus Christ. I'm going to make a strong argument that member number two is Simon Peter. I mean, I don't know. Peter, Paul, John, James, whatever. But let's just for argument's sake. Because I want to show you how Simon Peter was admitted into the ecclesia. So you know whether you're admitted or not. Here's what happens. Mark's, Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? That was the confrontational question. If you want to be in the ecclesia, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? You know, Jesus didn't say, Simon Peter, do you believe in women preachers? Do you believe in wearing a tie? Do you believe in slow song or fast songs? No, that wasn't the question. He says, what do you think of Jesus Christ? Who am I? Oh, that's powerful. Yes, he's a teacher, but he's more than a teacher. He's a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. He is God from God to show us God and to show us ourselves. He is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. He's the bright and morning star. His name is wonderful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Then Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him. So that was the declaration. And but let me, before I read further, let me say, that's why we make such a big deal. And we probably will do it today. Almost every service. We invite people to receive Christ. And this is the big deal. To confess Jesus. It said in Mark chapter 10 that it says that if you'll confess him before people, He'll confess you before his father. That's one of mine. That's one that is not ashamed of me. So we don't ask you, have you solved all your problems? Have you cleaned out all your dirty closets? We ask you, are you willing to make a life-changing declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of the living God, and that you bow to him and whatever trouble you got, whatever mess and junk is going on in your life, you're saying, I'm turning it over to him to work in me. You confess him. We say, well, you're in. You're in. Now you're made righteous by faith, but God is working on you to perfect you. And so, then he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying, what this is standing on is revelation. It's not enough that Pastor Nathan or I or some other preacher or some other elder they have a revelation of Jesus. But every member in this body, you have a revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you go home, you don't say, well, Pastor Peter said. You say, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit corrected something in me. The Holy Spirit pushed me to go forward. The Holy Spirit showed something in me. Yes, if God would use me as a mouthpiece to speak to you in some area, that's the grace of God. St. Pastor Nathan feels the same way, but we know that it's not our words that are changing you. We don't have such power in our words. We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a revelation coming to you. This is God talking to me. I'm in the spiritual parliament. Hallelujah. And then he says, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my called out ones, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
we must say one thing. That fear of death is the most primal fear. And we may think we are so involved. We may think we are so, you know, in our society, people say, well, it's 2020 after all, isn't it? As if that changed anything. There's a great fear of death. And I want to say to you, beloved, those of you listening to me, the gates of Hades, which is the kingdom of death, did not prevail against Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, he was buried, and by his own proclamation and by the words of the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter, he went down to Hades and proclaimed victory, and he took the keys of death the keys of death and of Hades have been taken from the devil and they belong to Jesus Christ. So in these days of fear, I want to say to you, do not be afraid. Even death itself, that last enemy has been defeated in your life and will ultimately be globally defeated because with Christ, you live forever. It's not a phrase. It's not a slogan. It's not a word fitting just for a funeral. But I say... As I said about my dear beloved brother Isaiah, he is with Christ. It's not a pat on the back statement to kind of make people feel a little bit better, whatever. It's appropriate saying, he is with Christ. Hallelujah. Ooh, I'm done talking here. I talk, talk, talk. Are you, are you, are you okay here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What we are doing here is very essential. And I felt today was the Sunday I wanted to preach this message. You know, I believe God to speak to me. And he said, I kind of felt last Sunday I preached healing. Pastor Nathan preached some phenomenal messages. We'll be sharing preaching in the next few weeks together. But right now, I want to say to you, it's time. And, and it was time anyhow, with or without the pandemic. It's just that the pandemic brought it to the poor forefront. It's time to declare what church is all about. That when we come together, we come into agreement. We come into agreement. And I tell you, I want you to stand with me all over this room right now. I would like you to stand at home if you're able to stand. And especially if you're by yourself, you're not disrupting anybody. Stand in front of your telephone. Turn the volume up high. We're not done yet. And I, I, I want us to come into agreement that first of all, we as a church, these words that have been spoken by ignorant people, not ignorant in all areas, just in this area. They're ignorant. They're in the darkness of their mind. Premiers and prime ministers in the darkness of their mind have called church non-essential. It's not an attack on them, it's just a fact. But we are declaring we are not going to accept that. We're going to keep all the good rules. Same. We're better. Everybody say, we're better than Walmart. That's right. That's right. We, we do it better than Walmart. So we are all for that. Keep your distance. Don't give anybody a holy kiss today. We'll give you a, a delay for the holy kiss to later. Okay? Don't even give a holy hug. But this issue that the assembly is non-essential, it's a lie. And people do speak things that they don't know anything about. That's why I always say to you when people say, you know, pastors, I don't pretend to know everything. People ask me advice on things. I said, I don't know. Talk to your plumber. I, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever. I, I don't know. Talk to your immigration lawyer. I, I don't know everything. But I do know something about this. 
that what we do here is important. It is anointed of God, and Jesus Christ is here right now. So I want you just to, 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 to don't, don't cross the lines now here. I want you to just, if you're with somebody who is part of, what, what do they call it now, the bubble? I don't know what they call it. It's a bubble. We have bubbles now. Uh, 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 Betty, don't go hugging people now. She wants to hug everybody, Dr. Betty Norris. here. Keep an eye on her, Pastor Nathan there. She's in your bubble, but don't go beyond that. I want us to come to agreement right now, bubble to bubble. Come on, lift up your hand right now. You can join hands in your bubble. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And I pray for the people who are considering this local assembly, their place, that none of them will miss out on their prophetic place, the place where prophecies are realized, where words spoken of them can come to pass, where God's plan and purpose, the prophetic purpose that God gave to them, where that, that, that is being perfected. I pray for every such person that we will not, not one of them will miss out. And then I pray for this church and I pray for this global online church that we will cast down every argument and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we will put it under our feet and we say thank you Jesus Christ that your church is moving and marching and I thank you Lord Jesus that we will we will come out stronger and I pray that faith will come in people's hearts and no condemnation but faith will come in hearts and Father I thank you right now for healing and health again everybody lift up your hand right now I told you in the very first meeting I had with you during this pandemic, an example from the Spanish plague where they took the Lord's table and the Spanish plague was running wild in that group of several hundred and after that, none of them were affected. So we take the Lord's table, we take it seriously, reverentially and full of faith that the blood of Jesus is a shield around us. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let me say one other thing. I believe maybe the Holy Spirit is reminding you. When I'm talking like this, I'm not telling you what you should do next Sunday or the Sunday after that. You do whatever your heart tells you. I'm, I'm preaching the Bible here. I'm telling you what the Bible says. But I'm also saying to you, don't break that good habit you have. Don't miss out on your prophetic place. And, you know, some people took the idea, oh, I'm a man of faith. You know, nothing will affect me. Well, good for you. But maybe you'll sneeze on somebody else. So we are respectful towards people. We're not taking an arrogant view of this. But we are saying the church of Jesus Christ is essential. And you are a member of this legislature. Point at yourself on the chest. Do some, do some uh, physical contacting with yourself, all right? Point yourself and say, I am a part of the spiritual assembly, the legislature of God. I work with God. The angels, brothers and sisters, and we come into agreement for spiritual awakening in Canada and in the world and in this great plan of God. I have a place. I have a portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.